you praise God. You are worthy. You are so worthy, Jesus. It's nothing that we have done, nothing that I have done, but God, you're just worthy just because you're God and you're God all by yourself. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. I'm going to go ahead and go into the word this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to pray one more time for my sake, for me. Father God, we come before you right now, God. God, I come before you just telling you thank you, God. Thank you for this Sunday morning, God. This morning that we were not promised, but yet you saw fit to wake us up on this side, God. So right now, I just want to say thank you, God. Thank you for the word that you have uh, brought forth, God. God, I ask that I de- decrease, Lord, and you increase, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit have his way, God. God, do what it is that needs to be done. God, we would ask right now that you touch every and individual person that's in here right now, God. Give them what it is that they need, God. Stir up the gifts on the inside of them, God. Tear down the things on the inside of them that's not like you, God. And just have your way in your people right now, God. In this place, God. We thank you, we honor you, we adore you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to I'm going to uh well we'll be coming out of the book of Matthew. Matthew the eighth chapter. starting at verse five. Verse 5. I'm going to ask you all to stand up for the reading of God's word. And it reads thusly, it says, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Uh, It says, as Jesus went into Capernaum, a centurion came up to him, begging him for help, and saying, Lord, my servant is laying is lying at home paralyzed with intense and terrible tormenting pain. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied to him, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Verse 9 says, For I also am a man subject to authority of a higher rank, with soldiers subject to me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and do, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those who were following him, I tell you truthfully, I have not found such a great faith at this with anyone in Israel. You may be seated. If I, uh, title of my sermon today is, uh, Jesus is Authority. So last week, um, tell y'all a little story. Last week, I was at work, at the daycare, um, and two of my employees were, well, one of my employees came out, and she had a young, one of the babies, he had his shoe, his shoe was untied. So I told her, I said, um, you need to tie, tie a shoe, tie a shoe. And she began to, the little boy began to turn in circles and move all around. He wouldn't stand still as she was trying to tie his shoe. 
And I was just standing there. I watched it for a minute. I turned around. And I said, <laughs> I said, Jesus give authority. <laughs> and what's so uh, funny about it is the same day, earlier that day, we had a conversation. The young lady said to me, she said, um, I want to, I want to relationship with God. Like, I want a better relationship with God. I want to know who he is and I want to understand uh, about Jesus and I want but I got to clean myself up first. She said, I got to I want to stop going to the clubs and she's like, I don't really go like that but you know, I got to stop doing this and I got to stop doing that and I stopped and I said well, you can't clean yourself up. Like, you, you can't do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we began to go forward we began to talk some more and she said, she said, um she just was telling me all the different stuff that she would like to do and this. And then I began to tell her, like, the benefits of having Jesus. And we began, we talked more about the benefits of having Jesus, this, that, and the third. And so then fast forward to the little boy turning around, and he won't let her tie his shoe. He's moving in a circle. He's doing this. He's doing that. And I don't know what I just said. Jesus give you authority. <laughs> and I know in that instance, um, I could use that one situation as to kind of show how Jesus gives authority, but we're going to go through it in the in the word. But that just, it stuck with me all week long. Like, Jesus gives you authority. Like, he gives you authority. Holy Spirit gives you authority. And so, um, as she got done, she was like, well, he won't stay still. He won't do this, do that. And I called him over by name, and I looked him dead in his eye, and I said, stand still, let me tie your shoes. Stood there. He was like one. So, but he stood still, and he, he allowed me to tie his shoes. And I kind of pondered on that all week long. I just kept saying, like, God, you just let me haul off and yell at this girl, Jesus, give authority. And she's looking at me crazy, like, what are you talking about? But that, like I said, that stuck with me um, all week long. And so as I began to demonstrate that to her, I also began to just think about other things that went along with that when it came to the word of God. I constantly began to think about the, the things, uh, different words that we oftentimes use when we use the word authority like uh, dominion and power and authority, they're oftentimes used simultaneously. But in actuality, there is an exchange in them. There's a difference between them. All right. So I began to look at the word dominion. As we look at the word dominion, dominion is simply rule over something uh, or to have control over it. We know in Genesis, the first chapter, uh, around the 26th and the 28th verse, that well, the 28th verse, it says this. It says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and to the earth, and be fruitful and multiply, and till the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the, every living thing that moves on the earth. And I began to think about the word dominion, and Dominion, you can have dominion over it, but still not have any authority or power. But you can have dominion over it. It's a lot of, for example, I deal with children. And there's a lot of parents who have children. They have dominion, but they don't have any authority or power over them because they allow them to do all type of things. Don't cause them to follow instructions, not teaching them about obedience, but they do have dominion over them because they are their parents. Then I began to look at the word power, and it says that power is the ability to influence the behavior of others or the course of events. Power. 
We ask for power, but do we really know what power is? And I'm not talking about the power that we people possess in the land, but power that God's true power. Ephesians, I went to Ephesians 1, 17 and 21, and I, it says, it said, Paul was talking as he was praying, he said, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know the Father through the Son, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, which is the center and the core of your soul, of your soul, of your very being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation, to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in saints, that's God's people, so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable, all right, the unlimited and the surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power. In other words, this power, it goes on to talk about the power that raised Jesus from the dead. This is the type of power that we possess as believers in Christ. This is the type of power that we have inside of us that's able to cause us to be over what it is that God has caused us to be over. This is the power, not just the power that he used to, uh, to hang on the cross, but he raised him from the dead. And that same power you possess as well. So it, it goes on. And then I looked at the scripture. I looked at the word authority. Authority is the power to make, to enforce obedience, to make decisions and enforce obedience. And so as I looked at that particular verse, I looked at, I mean, looked at that particular word. I also looked at Matthew 28, 18 and 19, where Jesus came up and he said to them, the disciples, he's talking once he has ascended, he, and once he has uh, rose again, he talks to his disciples and he tells them all authority, which is all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right. Then he goes on and he tells the disciples the same power. Now, I need you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me. He says, help the people to understand how to believe in me and how to obey the words that I uh, obey my words. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, he has commissioned us. With this same power, this authority that he has, he has dominion and authority over all things. This same authority he gives it to us and he tells us, he commissioned us as disciples to operate with the same authority. And authority is only released and relinquished to the blood wash believer. The only way we can have access is through faith. Yeah, the only way that we can have access is through our very own faith. As I described the three terms, I realized that they don't work simultaneously, but they work hand in hand. You can have dominion with no power, and you can have power with little authoritative rights. The only way any of these words are used or demonstrated in its most effective state is if we allow Jesus to step in. And so that brings me to my first point. It's that intimacy with God is what causes power and authority to flow. 
If we don't have intimacy we got with God, we don't have that one-on-one time with God, we can't come to church on Sunday and that'd be the only time we open our Bibles. We can't come to church on, on Sundays and that's the only time we worship him. In order for us to operate with all authority that he has given us, we must have a one-on-one relationship with him. Yes, true enough, I could go to my brother and my sister and ask them to pray for me, but I better be able to do that for my very own self. Yes, true enough, I could go to my brother and sister and ask them to worship with me, but I better be able to step in his presence for my very own self. Because with that intimacy, that is where my power flows. That is where the authority flows from, is that closeness with him. A believer's lack of spiritual authority often originates from a lack of intimacy with the source of authority. You want authority, you got to go to the source of authority. And the Bible is a two-edged sword, so of course it came to me before it comes to you. We want to operate how God tells us to operate, but we don't want to do the spiritual disciplines that it takes to get to where it is that he needs us to be. And that, my brothers and sisters, is a problem. Spiritual intimacy is something that we have to take time out of our schedule to do. We have to prioritize it like we prioritize everything else. On on Wednesday, I got sick, and I had to end up going to the emergency room. And so I think that was... I run, run, run. For those who don't know, I had two jobs. Notice I said had. I had two jobs. I was working at the daycare that my mother and myself owned, and then I was working for another company. Well, as I, Wednesday, when I got up Wednesday morning, I had chest pain, really bad chest pain. I ended up having to go to the uh, convenient care, and they sent me from the convenient care to the ER, which basically made me sit down all day. On Thursday, they told me, they said, hey, rest. You can't go back to work, just rest. As I was at home Thursday, I began to sit down, and I was in my office, and I literally vowed that night, I said, I'm not going to do anything work-related. I just want to sit, and I just really want to spend time with God. I had been struggling. I told Pastor Johnson, I said, yeah, you know, the Lord is telling me that I need to quit this job. Like, I got to quit this job because... It's really what he want me to do. I can't do it with me holding on to this job. So I kept saying, you know, I got to quit the job. But that was, in my head, that was later on down the line. Well, as I was sitting at home, um, and I'm, I'm listening, to, uh, listening to music, and I'm reading my word, and I'm actually preparing this, or I'm, God has given me this prior to them even asking me about ministering this Sunday, preaching this Sunday. And so I'm sitting there and the Holy Spirit said, type up your two-week notice. I said, type my two-week notice? I'm not ready yet. Like, I still got two more checks I want to get and put in my bank account before I type up my two-week notice. So I began to type up my two-week notice. And when I typed the two-week notice, so I didn't finish it. I didn't finish it. And I was like, you know, I'll finish that later some other time because it's not time for me to turn it in yet. I'm not about to turn it in yet. Well, that next morning when I woke up, only thing, I just kept hearing, finish the two-week notice. I got to work yesterday. Well, I got to work Friday, and I put my two-week notice in. I sent it to my boss. And my boss told me, she said, um, you know, if you feel like you don't want to work the two weeks out, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to work these two weeks out because I need this check again. So I'm going to work two weeks out. And Spirit's like, no. You're not going to work it out. So when I responded back to her, 
instead of me responding what I was originally going to respond, my response was, I can't work two weeks out. And so I said that to say that within the last weeks or so, that that time that I constantly spend with God, he's just been directing and and showing me, guiding me in the direction that he needs me to go for his will and his glory. It's not for me. I've never really been the one who could not understand or did not trust God in the area of finances. So he was like, okay, why you want to start now of doubting me in this area? This this, This is an area you've never doubted me in. I can have 20 cents in my pocket and I'm going to keep going because I feel like I'm going to provide. And so that intimacy with God gives us the power to make those moves and do those things that we couldn't do outside of our flesh. And our flesh, our flesh and our mind tells us to do those things that we feel like are impossible. But with the intimacy and the time that we spend with God and the Holy Spirit, he begins to direct and lead us and cause us to walk boldly in those areas that we know that we should have been walking boldly in. Yeah, so then this is why we this is why we are not effective in certain areas of our life. This is why we're not effective in certain ministry areas of our lives. When God wants us to do X, Y, and Z, but we can't do it because we're spending more time worried about what's going on outside of what his will says. So this brings me to my second point, which is faith is the word for action of exercising spiritual authority. So we look at Matthew 8 and 5. As Jesus went into Capernaum, A centurion came up to him, begging him for help and saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed with intense and terrible, tormenting pain. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied to him, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man subject to authority of a higher rank with soldiers subject to me. And I say, to one go and he goes and to another come and he comes into my slaves do this and he does it when Jesus heard this he was amazed and he said to those who were following him I tell you truthfully I have not found such great faith as this with anyone in Israel and usually when we read this scripture we begin to a lot of preachers preach from the faith faith which is which is true this scripture shows us faith but something else was shown to me in this scripture, and it was the authority. The word authority stuck out to me because we have this centurion who he is a soldier who are over other soldiers. So in Roman, this is this is the Romans, and there's an army of six thousand soldiers, but this one soldier is over a hundred of those soldiers. All right, so we look at this, and and he begins to tell Jesus about. This other sense, his servant who's at home paralyzed, number one, number one, he's a centurion soldier, which means that he's higher in rank and he's over a hundred soldiers, which could have, which have, could have easily caused him to be boastful and prideful and say that I have power. But this man is smart enough to know that he could submit that to submit to the God that's on the inside of Jesus Christ. Then he goes on, this is a Roman soldier. Jesus is a Jew. What business does he have talking to this Jew? But he knows that there's something so great on the inside of this Jew that he must go to this man because this man has all power and all authority in heaven and in earth. 
He had an authoritative role himself, but he was able to humble himself before God. A lot of times when we look at authority, it takes great strength to be in an authoritative role, but it takes more strength to be humble. He shows that he is humble in such way. Operating in your true God-given authority is really walking in humility. The scripture is about faith, which is the action word for spiritual authority. So we look at this centurion, this centurion, he, he could have easily said, hey, they say that you're doing X, Y, Z, but he said he had to see it for himself. He believed in him so much that he didn't even, that Jesus didn't even have to walk foot into where he was for him, for things to get done. It was the authority that he saw, he recognized in Jesus, which is that same authority that he recognized in himself as a centurion soldier. Man, part third and final point is this. Spiritual authority can be diminished by the presence of sin in the life of the believer. Yes, sin is what causes us to be weakened when it comes to our authority and the power that's on the inside of us. I can speak to nothing that I'm dibbling and dabbling in. I can't tell something to stop that I still want to hold on to. I cannot, uh, there is no power and no power will be exerted there because unfortunately the power is, isn't a friend of mine if I'm still dibbling and dabbling in sin because my heart is still connected to that very thing that's trying to take me out. In other words, I'm dancing and holding hands with the devil, but I want to call down power from heaven. There's no way that that power will be exerted because I still am holding on to the very thing that's trying to take me out. The presence of sin is not is is not confessed. If the presence of sin, if not confessed, is often the root cause of a lack of power and spiritual authority in the life of the believer. Confessions release a hold over us, which then allows us allows us to walk in the fullness of the godly power that has been given with all authority through Christ Jesus. James five sixteen tells us to confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that we may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is power, powerful and effective. No matter how much we say that we don't want to do X, Y, and Z, as long as we are living in it and we do not confess it with our mouths, we will continue to be bound down by it. Listen, we have authority. We have the right to cast down demons and call out some things we are not bound to this world and the things of it we just got we just got to get tired enough of we have to get disgusted with the things of this world and authority is not given to every man it's given to the believer so those who are walking around they do not believe in christ jesus that same authority they do not have access to so to close out i want us want to let you know that we must also understand Satan has no authority. The cross is where Satan was defeated. When Jesus died on the cross, it seemed like Satan was victorious over him. But on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. He got up with all the power in his hand. On the third day, therefore, he he triumphed over the enemy. My God, on the third day, 
This is where all power was released and Satan no longer had any authority. In that moment, Satan was stripped of his authority. In fact, therefore, Jesus went back to heaven. Before he went back to heaven, he actually said in Matthew 28 and 18, all authority that's on earth has been given to me. Then Christ chose to give that authority to us so that victory over the enemy over the enemy is our victory when we are his. When we believe in him, we are victorious. When we believe in him, we are able to walk in our authority. When we believe in him, we are able to walk in the boldness. And we begin to identify with those things that are in Christ Jesus. And we see that we're made in his image and his likeness. So those same things are on the inside of us. But we have to put down those things that we know that are causing us to draw far from him instead of drawing nearer to him. That same authority is on the inside of us. So I thank God for the third day, the third day. I thank him for dying and hanging on the cross, but it's something about the third day where he got up with all power in his hands because that power in itself is now relinquished to me. That power is relinquished to you, but we have to walk in the authority that he gives us. Amen. 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 Amen.